You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, we're in week two of a new teaching series that we started on the parables of Jesus. We're talking about these powerful stories that Jesus told that um, still have power today for our lives. And today I want to talk to you about a really important topic, uh, a topic that we're all going to have to work through probably on a regular basis that we're probably needing to work through right now in our lives. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. I want to talk to you about something that really can bring healing to your soul. Now, hold that thought for just a moment. How many of you, when you were a kid, when your parents used to ask you to do chores around the house, help out around the house, you would try to get away with the bare minimum? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many parents are in the place? Can we have a group therapy session for a moment who would say, sometimes you ask your kids to help out around the house and they try to get away with the bare minimum? (laughs) My younger two, especially Michael and Nicholas, when I think about this, I think about having them clean up their room sometime. You know, and, and sometimes they try to get away with doing the bare minimum. Uh, I'll send them to the room to clean up, and they're done in like two minutes. Wow, like record time. Come see, Dad. We're done. And, and their room, it's, it looks like it's clean, but they just took all the clean clothes off the floor. They didn't sort them, and they threw them all in the hamper, and they just took a bunch of things and put it under their bed. And upon closer inspection, Dad realizes, yeah, it appears to be clean, but you just did the bare minimum. I think sometimes... When it comes to forgiveness, we kind of take this same approach. Like, what's the, what's the bare minimum? Like, who and what do I actually have to forgive? Who, who is it that I actually have to forgive? Because we all know there are certain people who don't deserve our forgiveness. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> who is it? Like, what's the bare minimum? Who, who is it that I, I have to forgive? What is it, you know, what is it that I have to forgive? And this is the kind of question that Peter, the Apostle Peter, actually asked Jesus, which sets up today's parable. Let's look at it, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, the prevailing wisdom of the time, the rabbis of the time, taught that one had to forgive at least three times to demonstrate that they had a forgiving spirit. So it appears that Peter is being generous here. Let's look at Jesus' answer, verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say seven times 70. And that's whether, whether which translation is right or not doesn't really matter. The point is Jesus' answer reveals that Peter's question was flawed. Jesus' answer demonstrates that Peter is asking the wrong question. Jesus says the number doesn't matter. You're focused on on, on the number. If you're still keeping score, Peter, you've you've missed the point because Jesus is about to show Peter a whole new approach to forgiveness. He's about to change his paradigm completely. And so Jesus launches into the parable of the unmerciful servant. That's what we're going to look at today, the parable of the unmerciful servant. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 18 verses 23 through 35. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, stop right there for a moment. Some of you may have a Bible translation that says 10,000 talents. A talent was equal to 20 years worth of a day laborer's wages. So, and and this man owed 10,000 of these units. This was an astronomical figure. Essentially, it was an amount that could never be earned in one's lifetime for the average person. 
Jesus is using hyperbole here on purpose. Like in today's money, this would be millions, maybe even billions. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, obviously, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, in ancient times, uh, there were debtors' prisons. You could be thrown in prison if you couldn't repay your debt. Uh, you could be sold into slavery to repay your debt. Uh, it was just the way it was back then. It was cruel times. Let's keep going. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, we've got to stop there for a moment and just feel this, okay? Because we're reading this story. Let me just help bring this home to you. Can you imagine this week getting a letter in the mail from your bank letting you know that your mortgage has been forgiven? Are you starting to feel it? Okay, let me talk to some young professionals in the house. Can you imagine getting a letter in the mail this week saying that your student loans are forgiven? Can I get a hallelujah and amen, somebody? This is the feeling of joy, of having this amount of debt forgiven. Now look at what happens next, verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees. Excuse me, I skipped a little bit. Verse 28, but, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Not a small amount of money, but, but small in comparison to what he owed. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. How many of you know that's messed up? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's messed up. That's wrong. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus said this, are you ready for this truth bomb? Verse 35, this is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I bet it got a bit quiet after Jesus said that. Jesus was like, mic drop, boom. Got about as quiet as you got just a second ago when I read that verse. Now, I think it's safe to say that we all know that forgiving people is the right thing to do. It, from, from, you know, from childhood, we're raised and we're told you need to forgive. You know, If you hurt somebody on the playground, you have to go say, I'm sorry. And the teacher teaches the other kid to say, you know, tell them you forgive them. Right? Do you accept their apology? Like we're taught from very young kids that we need to forgive each other. Uh, you know, I had brothers. How many of you when, you, when you got into an argument with your brother or sister, your parents made you make up? Like they forced you to make up? Like, now go hug each other. And I would hug my brother and whisper in his ear, I hate you. You know? <laughs> Because you right, your parents were teaching you, <laughs> you got to forgive each other, even if you were just pretending. But the problem is, even though we're taught to forgive, I think there are two categories of offense and offenders. There are, there are those that we're able to forgive in and of ourselves, maybe the small everyday offenses. And then there are those that we're not able to forgive. Deep down, I think we find it hard to forgive certain people because they don't deserve it because we have a right to be mad about what they did and how they treated us. These are the people who come to mind that even as I'm preaching this, you would think, you're thinking in your mind, but Pastor Jeremy, you have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea how they treated me, how they stabbed me in the back, how they broke my heart, how they did me wrong. Those people, 
Those situations, those categories, there are certain people and certain actions that belong in the category of unforgivable. I mean, we've just had a terrible tragedy in our state, right, in the city of Buffalo, this awful hate crime that happened last week. And, and the thought is like, how could someone ever forgive something like that? And yet I'm reminded of, of one of the, I believe it was one of the women survivors of the Charleston shooting a couple years ago who, who stunned the world when she came out and made this, this statement of, of forgiveness for the shooter, We're talking about the unforgivable things. Now, as we look back at the story, we realize that the king represents God, and the servant who is forgiven this astronomical amount of money represents us and how God has forgiven us the mountain of debt that was our sins. Did you put that together? That's that's the symbolism here. Now, what Jesus is showing us is that we can only forgive because we know how much we've been forgiven by God. There's a connection, right? There's a reason he told this story of someone who was forgiven, who failed to forgive. Like, we should be able to extend grace to others because we know how much of God's grace we've, we've been received, how much of God's grace has been showered on our lives. And Jesus uses a brilliant everyday analogy to help us understand it. He uses money. Because we all understand that this, the dollar bill, right, is the currency of how we get things paid for in our culture, right? You need enough of these to cover the debt, to cover the payment, to cover what you owe someone. And that's what's so brilliant about the parables. Jesus takes everyday things like this right here that we can't live without, and he helps us see some really deep truths in in his kingdom. Here's the idea. Grace is the currency of forgiveness. This is the currency of everyday life, of business, but grace is the currency of forgiveness. Your capacity to forgive others is based on your capacity to receive the grace of God. Do you have enough grace in the bank to cover the debt when someone offends you? Do you have enough grace stored up in your heart? How is your revelation of the grace of God? How fresh? I mean, we sang about the goodness of God today, but is it real? Is it in our hearts when someone offends our pride, when someone does us wrong, when someone mistreats us, and we're a good person, aren't we? We're a good, upstanding citizen, and we didn't deserve to be treated that way. Do you have enough grace in the bank to cover the offense? The main point of the story is not that God is looking to to throw us into prison and torture us if we don't forgive. Although Jesus gives us a really stern warning here. And if you paid attention, here's the real warning. And yes, that is a hint toward judgment. Yes, that is a hint toward what can happen if you don't receive the the forgiveness of God. It's the place you don't want to end up in. But here's what Jesus is really saying. If, If you can't forgive someone else, did you actually receive the forgiveness of God in the first place? That's what Jesus is saying when he says, this is what what God's going to do to you. Like, this is what you should be concerned about. Because if you can't forgive your brother or sister from your heart, then maybe you never received the grace of God in the first place. There's a connection. There's a connection between giving and receiving grace. And so the point of the story is what people owe us pales in comparison to the debt that we owe God for our sins. I wish somebody would put that in your notes today. Well, we owe other people, right? What people owe us pales in comparison to the debt that we owe God, the mountain of debt for our sins that's been running our whole lives that has been forgiven and God will keep forgiving, a debt that costs the father his son. Like what price tag can you put on the son of God? What price tag can you put on the life of Jesus Christ, the son of God who gave his life to pay for our sins. That, that's the idea. You can't put a price tag on that. 
We can't even begin to evaluate that. And so what people owe us pales in comparison to the debt that God forgave us. It's the revelation of this truth that'll change your heart. It's the revelation of this truth that, that changes everything. You know, sometimes I get frustrated with my kids um, for breaking things around the house. You know, I got three boys, and boys are kind of rowdy sometimes. And Amy and I, we've, we've had our house for four years, and, and we bought a fixer-upper, and we did a lot of fixer-upping fixer uppering when we first got it, and there's still some projects yet to be done. But it feels like in four years, the, the boys are undoing some of the things that we have tried to get done. We're like, the house isn't even done, and you're undoing the progress some days, you know? Uh, and, and sometimes I lose my patience, but every now and then I, I'm reminded that I need to give my kids grace because, man, my parents gave us grace. I'm one of four boys. We broke everything growing up. We broke everything. There was one time, um, I think I was like 19 years old. I wasn't even a little kid anymore. Me and my older brother, we were throwing the football in the house. And my mom had one rule about that, don't throw the football in the house. <laughs> we were throwing the football in the house, and uh, because my older brother's not here to defend himself, I'm pretty sure it was him who threw a really bad pass. <laughs> and uh, some kind of way, we knocked over, my, my parents had, a, had a, uh, a china cabinet sitting on top of a, a hutch. It wasn't bolted down. In some kind of way, we knocked over with the football. We knocked over that china cabinet, and we got there just in time. Like, I was on one end, and I think he got on the other end. All of my parents' wedding china and, like, you know, special things were in that cabinet. And we thought we had averted disaster. I mean, this thing fell over. It was heavy. We were holding it up when one of the doors swung open, and plate by plate, we watched my parents' wedding china break. And there was, I mean, nothing we could do to stop it. Because all we could do was just hold up that heavy piece of furniture, and we destroyed my parents' wedding china to my everlasting shame. And they still love me. They still talk to me. They did not excommunicate me from the family or cut me out of the inheritance. <laughs> we were too old to be put up for adoption. It was like they were kind of stuck with us by then. So I'm reminded, right, that I need to extend grace to my kids because of the grace that's been extended to me. So it's the realization of this. It's the realization of how much we've been forgiven, how gracious God has been to us, that we could never repay what God has done for us. We could never repay the debt that we owed and what he's forgiven us. This is what gives us the ability to forgive. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Isn't that powerful? I really believe grace is the most transforming uh, power on the planet. I really believe this. I, I really believe the, the grace of God has, has more capacity, has more potential to change your heart, to change your life than anything else on, on the planet. It changes people's lives. It changes people's perspective. It changes the way people re relate to other people. We live in such a graceless world. We live in such a graceless planet, the way people interact with each other, the way people treat each other, right? Everybody, everybody wants the, the, the benefit of the doubt for themselves, right? But man, we struggle to give it to other people. That, that's just the, the way our fallen, broken world works. But man, you get a hold of this truth of what God has done for you, of how undeserving you are, and all of a sudden, forgiving people isn't about whether they deserve it or not. It'll change your heart. It'll change your mind. It'll change your perspective. And so what was the unmerciful servant's problem. What was his problem? He lacked gratitude, didn't he? He had been forgiven, but he, he, had, he lacked gratitude. He forgot all that the king had done for him. It hadn't penetrated his heart. And do you know we can do that sometimes? 
You know, over, over time, we can, we can begin to kind of take the grace of God for granted. There's something so beautiful when someone first comes to, to faith. Man, one thing I love about our church is we reach people, man. We're a place where people can come and find a relationship with Jesus. And I love when somebody new walks up in here. I love when, when somebody says, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know, this is all new to me. I may say the wrong thing. I may curse that church. I may, you know, I may have the wrong opinion. Like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm like, and I'm like, no, you're in the right place. You, you can't, somebody comes to me every now and then for, for prayer, you know, and they're couching their terms like they're really afraid of, of saying the wrong thing. And I just want to hug them and say, you're in the right place. We named the church Redemption for a reason. Come on, this is, this is rehab for sinners. You're in the right place. I love that. And when, when, you, when you're new to church, some of you, you identify with this. When you're new to faith, man, the grace of God is just so fresh, isn't it? Like Jesus did that for me? And there's just a newness and a freshness and a gratitude about it. And I love that. But here's what we have to be careful with. Over the years of walking with Jesus, we can, we can lose the freshness of that. We can sing all the songs, and it doesn't penetrate our hearts. I'm telling you, man, I had tears in my eyes this morning singing about the goodness of God in my life, of how undeserving I am, that his goodness and his mercy were running after me, right? When I wasn't running after him, he was running after me. And so I want to tell you, like, never, never lose the, the freshness of the grace of God on your life. Because what can happen is, is the forgiveness of God can end up not penetrating your heart. That's what happened to the unmerciful servant. He took the grace of God for granted. And you know what happens when you do that? It transforms a gift into entitlement. Nobody likes a spoiled kid, right, who, gets it, who, who feels entitled to a gift, Right? If a kid receives a gift with joy and gratitude, great. That's what it's all about. When, but when somebody thinks they're entitled to it, it transforms a, a, a gift and it ruins the whole thing. It transforms it into entitlement. And so we don't, want, we don't want to become entitled to God's grace. We don't want to become entitled to God's forgiveness. We don't want to become entitled to all that Jesus did for us. We want to be humble and grateful and thankful for our good God who gave his son for us when we were least deserving. Are you with me this morning? And so what do we do about those people and those things that we just can't forgive? I, I know some of you would say, Pastor, I might hear you today, but man, what they did to me, it, it's when every time I think about it, it's so real. Every time I think about it, it's so raw. Like, what, what do we do? And here's the other thought, if we're just being honest in church, there can be this sense of like, what's in it for me if I, if I forgive them? I mean, like, the past isn't going to change. Like, what do I get out of it? Because they, they really still owe me, and this is why Jesus' use of, of debt as an illustration for offense is brilliant. It's brilliant. Because in the, in the financial world, when you loan someone money, you hold the debt. How many of you know that term? Come on, this is the New York City area. We're very financially savvy. Some of you are more financially savvy than, than your pastor. You ought to take me out for lunch and teach me how to invest and make all that money like you are. But, <laughs> but we, we know this term, right? Like when you, when you loan someone, you, you hold the debt. When a bank loans someone or an organization money, they hold the debt. That means that they take a risk. When you make a loan, you take the risk. Now, you might have some collateral or something to kind of protect the, 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 the loan, but you hold, you hold the debt because you take the risk that the borrower might not be able to repay the loan. And so herein lies a really powerful key to how we forgive because Jesus takes this, this brilliant idea, this brilliant illustration of money. Here's the idea. The biblical idea of forgiveness is release. Everybody say release. 
release. We release the debt. We don't just forgive in, in that we try to forget and we try to have negative feelings. No, no, no. The biblical idea of release of forgiveness is more powerful that, than that. It's release. In fact, the, the New American Standard Version of, of this parable says that the king released the servant from his debt. Okay? He didn't hold it anymore. He didn't hold the debt, but he released it. So when you, when you don't forgive, here's what happens. You end up carrying the load. It's like you carry that, that person like a weight on your back. I got my backpack up here, and this is what happens when we, when we don't forgive, when we take on a, an, an offense. It's like we're, we're carrying it around. We're carrying the debt. We're carrying what they, they owe us. And over time, right, you can begin to accumulate more and more to where this gets heavy. And have you ever gone out, you know, hiking or walking around, you put a backpack on? The first 10 minutes, it's not that heavy. It's not that bad. But after a few hours of walking around, like whatever you've got in there, you know, your full bottle of water, it starts getting heavy. And this is what happens to us. We're walk, it's like we're walking through life with all of these things built up and we're, and we're carrying around all, all of the hurts, all the stuff we haven't dealt with, the offenses, and then we add, then we add new ones, you know? And, and I can I just tell you, it's just too heavy, church. It's too heavy. You, you got to get to the point where you release it. This is what literally happens. This is a picture of forgiveness. You release it, and it's like you get that weight off of your back. You're, you're not carrying that person or that offense or all those accumulated hurts anymore. And sometimes they're subconscious. I mean, some of us in this room, we've got hurts from childhood. We've got hurts from when we were a young person that we've never dealt with before. We have never even in prayer said, God, I forgive this person. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Can I tell you that unforgiveness can actually affect your health? I was reading about this. I read an article from, from Johns Hopkins Medical. Um, it was an article. There was a, a, a doctor, Dr. Karen Schwartz. She's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science. Listen to what she said. She said, chronic anger, and this was a whole article about forgiveness. Chronic anger puts you into a flight or fight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Listen to this. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Isn't it amazing when modern-day science and medicine catches up to like what the people of God have known for thousands of years in the wisdom of Scripture? That forgiveness is actually, you ought to forgive somebody because it's good for your health. It's good for your health. And sometimes we're carrying around like just, just bitterness in our hearts, and we're stressed out by it, and we're replaying what happened to us, and we don't even recognize how it's affecting us. And see, the person who hurts you, they might not even remember it. You're carrying it around like a load. But here's the, here's the truth. Let me help you today. They've forgotten and moved on. <laughs> that person who broke your heart, they're with somebody else. When love songs come on the radio, they're thinking about them, not you. And you're still, you're still carrying it, right? That, that friend who was disloyal to you, who knows? Maybe they're on and on to other friends and they've forgotten about you and and, and that person who did you wrong, do, do you understand? They, they may have even moved on, but what happens when we hold on to unforgiveness, we get stuck. It's like we're frozen in time when the other person has probably, probably even moved on. And so what do we do? What do we do about the people who we just can't seem to forgive? We release them by the grace of God. Come on, everybody say that again. Release. We release them by the grace of God. Here's the idea. Forgiveness is releasing the debt by God's grace. To forgive is to release someone from their offense, from the hurt, for what they did to you, 
by the grace of God. The only way we can forgive the unforgivable is to tap into the bottomless well of God's grace because it's okay to be honest and say, Pastor Jeremy, I can't do it. There are certain hurts in my life that I can't let go of when I think about what they did to me, when I think about the abuse, when I think about the hurt, when I think about the neglect. Like, I I don't have it in me. And when you get to the end of yourself, when you've exhausted your little piggy bank, that's when you've tapped into the grace of God. You're at the place now where you can tap into the bottomless well of God's grace. Come on, the God who has enough grace in the bank of heaven to cover all of our debts, all of our sins. That's what faith is. That's what grace, grace is. Forgiveness, in the biblical sense, is tapping into, tapping into the well of God's grace. Do you see it? It's outside of yourself. To forgive truly is, is divine. What's that saying, right? To err is human. To forgive is, it is divine. It is divine because you've tapped into something that's not in you, in and of yourself. You've tapped into the, the bottomless well of the grace of a loving God. And so I want to end today's message by giving you just some practical steps to walk this out. I want to encourage you to put these in your notes today. Put these in your phone today. Practical steps for releasing and forgiving. We want to release and forgive. Number one, pray for the person who hurt you. Pray for the person who hurt you. Now, I know what you're thinking today, Pastor Jeremy. I don't want to pray for the person who hurt me. There's a lot of things I want to do to them, and prayer was not on the list. <laughs> I want to curse them out. I want to get in their face. I'd like to smack them. But, you know, prayer wasn't at the top of my list. Well, this is not something we naturally want to do. Let's acknowledge. That's okay. Let's not be overly spiritual. Let's admit that this is not something we naturally want to do. But there's a lot of things that are good for you that you don't naturally want to do. A lot of you, if you're like me, you don't naturally want to eat your vegetables. You don't naturally want to exercise all the time. There are a lot of things that we need to do that are, that are not something we naturally want to do, but we, we need to do. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 28. He said, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Let me just tell you, in order to do those things, you'll have to tap into the bottomless well of God's grace. How many of you know that list of things here doesn't come easy for us? Doesn't come, they, they go against our human nature. Am I preaching to any real human beings who are just like me and live in a sinful, flawed self? I know, you're, you're more spiritual than me. We need God's grace to do that, don't we? We need the, the grace of God to help us to do that. And so he says, he says, pray, pray for those who mistreat you. This is the first way you can begin to release the debt. Because here's why. When you pray, you release the offender to God. Are you with me? Here's what prayer does. Prayer says, I'm not just releasing the hurt, but I'm releasing that person. And here's the thing. You're not just releasing them like they get out of, get out of jail free. You're releasing them to a God who is just who is good. How many of you know he's a better judge than you and me? How many of you know he's the God of the universe? He's in charge of the whole thing. When it's all said and done, he's going to make sure everybody gets what they deserve. Come on. And I'm I'm hoping he's going to pour out some grace on me. That's what I'm banking on. But here's the thing. When you pray, you release that person to the God of the universe who's in charge, who's just, who's gracious, who sees everything, who's going to sort it all out. And so maybe one day, When they're at the mall in the middle of a snowstorm, they get a flat tire. I don't know, because God's in charge. Oh, y'all got to have some fun in church today. Y'all are way too serious today. Number one, we pray and we release. Number two, stop rehearsing the offense. Stop rehearsing the offense. Let it go. You got to stop rehearsing it. You got to stop nursing it. You got to let it go. You got to stop talking about it, replaying it in your mind. Isn't this what we do? 
Somebody hurts us, man, we loop it over and over again, especially if we had a contentious argument. How many of you do this if you're like me? You rewind the argument and you go back in your mind and you say what you wish you would have said in the argument. Man, if I was in it, I would have said it just like this. Man, I missed the chance to get him back. I would have said it just like that. Some of you married people can say, amen, Pastor Jeremy. I know what you're talking about. There's a season when it's healthy to talk about it. There's a season when you need to process it. There's a season when you need to bleed out to a good friend or a counselor. But then there's a season when you need to stop talking about it. It's the season when you need to stop rehearsing it. Lewis Smedes, the author Lewis Smedes said this. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. That's powerful, isn't it? We think we're letting that person go, but in, re- in releasing it and stop rehearsing the offense, we actually set ourselves free. Come on, forgiveness not only releases them, it releases us. And so how do we do that? The key to forgiveness is to stop focusing on what was done to us and to focus instead on what Jesus has done for us. That's what we have to do. We've got to keep focusing on what Jesus did for us and stop focusing on what was done to us. Number three, embrace forgiveness as a process. Everybody say process. Forgiveness is a process. It's a process. There's really no such thing as forgive and forget. That's a nice little cliche, right? We know how hard that is. Even the act of forgiving, sometimes we still remember. And so, no, you have to keep forgiving people often over and over and over again, especially depending on the level of hurt that was inflicted. Forgiveness is a process, and every time it comes to your mind, now let me say this real quick. I'm not talking about enabling someone who's hurting you, okay? There are some people that we have to love from a distance. There are some people that you can forgive, but you have to have some healthy boundaries, and you have to love them from a, from a, a distance because they're a toxic person. Don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Forgiveness is about the past. Trust is about the future. They don't deserve access to your future necessarily, but you can forgive the past. But, but let's talk about process for a minute here. How do you, how do you forgive them? Well, every time you, you think about that, that person, you just keep releasing. You just keep giving them back to God as many times as it takes. I mean, Peter said how many times, right? 70 times, 70 times, seven. Like every time the pain comes back to you, how do you know you've forgiven them? I'll tell you how you know. When the pain is no longer there and the peace of God is there, and there's a sense of release. There may be some scar tissue, but the pain is not active. There's a sense of of release. Let me just say, this isn't just preacher talk. Like, this is something I had to learn a few years ago. I had somebody in my life that I love dearly who hurt me, and I get a little knot in my throat even talking about it to this day. A mentor, a mentor in my life, someone who I looked up to, hurt me deeply, mistreated me, wasn't truthful with me, manipulated me, and, and it left a deep wound. But by the grace of God, I chose to, to release it. And let me tell you this. Sometimes when you choose to forgive, it's choosing not to become like the other person. Right? It's choosing not to embrace the worst in them and becoming like that. Because usually when we hit them back, we end up becoming like them. And I, and I said, no, no, this is, this is one of those moments. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there. I'm, re- I'm releasing this. I'm walking away from this. I'm, I'm letting this go. And everything in me wanted to, wanted to assert my rights, tell my side of the story. I, I had some ammunition I could have fired, but I had, I had to forgive. I had to release. I had to release. And let me just say, there are some decisions that you make in life that don't just determine where you end up in life, but they determine who you become in the process. And that decision changed me. It changed me. But it was a process of forgiveness. It took years. It took months to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And do you know how I knew when the healing had happened? Now when I think about that person, there's no more pain anymore. 
is released. Now when I think about that, here's the work of God. Let me encourage somebody today. Let me build your faith today. Now when I think about that person, I feel love. I only feel the good memories. I only remember the good times, the good moments that we had together. And I can sit down with that person over a cup of coffee and truly feel love in my heart. Now, that's not everybody you're going to be able to sit down with. But hear me, with most relationships, there's good and bad. If we're honest, with, we think back about most relationships where we got hurt, you had some good times with that person. There were some times that that, probably, that person was probably good for you. When we get hurt, it all gets tainted one way. And I'll tell you that the healing comes in the process when there's, when there's a release in your heart, when there's peace in your heart. How do we forgive the unforgivable? How do we forgive when it's not in our capacity to forgive someone, when they really don't deserve it? You have to get a greater revelation of the grace of God. Why? Because, because that person, in a sense, really does owe you. That's why this use of debt is such a powerful illustration. Jesus spoke to something in our hearts. In a sense, that person who hurt you, they really do owe you. That, that, that dad who walked out on you when you were a kid should have been there for you. That, that friend who was disloyal, who stabbed you in the back, shouldn't have treated you that way. That boss who passed over you for a, a promotion when you worked so hard should not have done you that way. In a sense, they owe you, but forgiveness in the biblical sense is to release the debt by the grace of God. and It'll bring healing to your soul. It'll change your life. We release the debt by the grace of God. We don't forgive out of our ability. No, by faith. By faith, we tap into the bottomless well of God's grace that has enough to cover every offense. We forgive because we couldn't imagine going through this life not being forgiven by God. Come on. We forgive out of gratitude. We forgive out of joy. We forgive because we know the mountain of debt that we've been forgiven and we live with this sense. God, if you did that for me, (laughs) God, I can extend your grace to other people. Are you with me? Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to take a moment to pray. We're going to sing a final song in just a moment. Just bow your head with me. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us a greater revelation of his grace today. Greater revelation. God, remind us of how much we've been forgiven, how much you've done for us. The price tag that was on the Son of God who gave his life for us today. Come on, just bow your head. And maybe you want to lift lift your hands to say, God, I receive your grace. I receive your grace afresh into my life. Lord, today, make your grace real to us. Lord, today, remind us that that we were the servant who owed a mountain of debt that we could never pay back. Every sin that's piled up throughout our lives. And Jesus, you released us. You gave your life and you released the debt. And so, Lord, today, because of that, we can release others who have hurt us. We can forgive And now some of you right now, even in prayer, under your breath, there's a name, there's a face, there's an event, an occurrence, and there's power in naming it. There's power in naming it. So right now, in this sacred space, just you and the Holy Spirit with your head bowed under your breath, maybe you want to release that person's name. God, I release this person. God, I release what happened to me. Come on, just say it right now under your breath. Father, I release them to you. It's too big for me. It's too much for us to carry. It's too heavy, God. We don't want to carry this anymore. But God, we release them into your hands. A good God, a merciful God, a gracious God, a God of justice, a God who sees everything, a God who's moved by compassion. God, you were there. You were present. You saw the hurt. You saw the wrong. And so, God, we give that person to you. We release the hurt today. And we receive healing in our hearts. Father, I speak healing 
to every heart in this place today. Thank you that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we can, we can set others free. And in doing so, we ourselves are set free by your grace today. I speak healing to every heart in this place. In Jesus' name.